Bye, Dad. Hey, kiddo. Oh, my gosh, do you look beautiful. Liv, how's your mom's hip? Good, thanks. Good. He thinks you're my girlfriend. Grace. Been busy? Yeah. Dean's traveling with clients all the time, and I'm just the buzzkill waiting to schedule things. Just, I'm so stuck. So Dean's going away a lot, huh? On business trips? Dad. Raise your hand if that sounds fishy. He's not like you. He's a good guy, a great dad. Sure, it's nature. Males are forced to fight, to dominate, and to impregnate all females. Welcome to I'm Thinking of Watching Things, episode seven. Uh, I'm Arjun, hosting for Caleb today because I am incredibly passionate about today's topic of interest. Um, one of my favorite uh, filmmakers, Sofia Coppola. But first, we have a question to ask and introduce all of our uh, talented host co-hosts today. Uh, what is your guys' favorite Bill Murray movie? Favorite Bill Murray movie or favorite Bill Murray performance? That's those what are I was going to ask. Two different answers. Take it, take it how you will. I'm fine with either. <laughs> okay. uh, this is two very different answers. You're not wrong. <laughs> and, okay. Uh, favorite Bill Murray performance? Uh, maybe his character in Ed Wood, for some reason that sticks out in my mind. Um, favorite Bill Murray movie? Probably just like one of the Wes Anderson ones. I'm not, I'm, I really like Wes Anderson, but I wouldn't say that I'm like a, aficionado like i've probably only seen each of his films once or twice so uh i don't know we'll give it to uh rushmore there oh i'm caleb by the way i don't know (laughs) (laughs) um i'm alicia and i would say favorite performance might be lost in translation but favorite movie would probably be ghostbusters I'm kind of tempted to throw Osmosis Jones in there just so it's like <laughs> in there, um, but I won't because I have self-respect. Um, yeah. I'm Brooke um, and I'm just going with performance because uh, I think I might only have seen Ghostbusters um, as a movie, so I don't know if that qualifies as my favorite if it's the only one that I've seen. So. Yeah, Zombieland, solid, solid Bill Murray performance. <laughs> That's it. Um, awesome, yeah. <clears throat> and uh, I'm Arjun. I, I, so many great performances, but I'd have to say my favorite is in uh, Get Smart, the 2009 Steve Carroll film, where he plays uh, the man in the tree. <laughs> um, his only line, I think, is, uh, nah, nobody cares about me. I'm just a man in a tree. And he is, in fact, a man in a tree. I, I would say Space Jam, which I think is an incredible, completely almost improv performance, but I've been uh, open about my disdain for that movie. So I can't, <laughs> can't put my weight behind it. I completely uh, anyway. forgot he was in Get Smart. <laughs> incredible, incredible movie, at least according to 13-year-old me. I'll say that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've heard nothing but bad things in the years since. <laughs> but too much nostalgia. Uh, anyway, we're talking about another Bill Murray movie today, the newest Sofia Coppola movie in our first foray out of the waters of Netflix, which is, uh, it's a big move for us, guys. Wolf of Snow <laughs> Hollow Erasure. Oh, <laughs> shit, right. But that, that episode, we still had a Netflix movie, yeah. so I'll yeah. call it call it half a point. Um, yeah. But it's the new Sofia Coppola movie on Apple TV+, Plus, starring Bill Murray and Rashida Jones. Um, as far as plot goes, not like too much to go over. So I don't know. Let's just let's just hear your guys' main thoughts on this, and then we can dive into what we thought about the beat by beat 
Um, I liked it. I liked it. It's a, it's one of my favorite things about Sofia Coppola as a filmmaker is that, uh, all of her films, even if I don't love them, I usually come away having a lot of thoughts about them and there's always it's like a rich text to sort of dive into even if I don't particularly like it and I I I say that first because On the Rocks is almost the the flip of that for me where I don't know that I got a ton out of it but I did enjoy my time Um, I really love how it's sort of like a noir like it's like a like a quasi like rom-com noir blend where you know Rashida Jones is investigating her husband's fidelity um and uh yeah there's like some from from the first like little like wedding sequence which I just thought was beautifully shot there's some like the staircase shot sticks in my mind and the like shadow of Rashida Jones picking up the kids toys comes to mind which sets up the movie thematically um yeah there's it was like pleasant and there are good things about it I do have qualms with the ending because I think it uh I think it undermines a lot of what I liked about it but I also don't know that there's a ton to talk about but maybe we'll uh (laughs) I hope I hope to be proven wrong, but yeah, I I liked it overall positive. Yeah, I I agree with you. The ending, I think we can get to that later, but I, I wasn't the biggest fan, and I don't know. I think so many of her movies are so relatable to me. I mean, despite not being about characters that are anything like me, I mean, like I don't know, none of us have had our spouse come home while high on Xanax and hop into bed and think we're a different person. So speak for uh, yourself, Arjun. <laughs> <laughs> it's happened multiple times. <laughs> but she she's a filmmaker I think at least personally who's able to make these very specific experiences seem very universal and that's always something I've loved about her and I'm not sure I got that same uh, sort of experience personally watching this film but still and I think this is where she excels the most the performances in this movie I thought were incredible I mean I've never seen I don't think Rashida Jones like take on a lead role like this like the biggest I think live action role I've seen her in is probably the social network, which is a tiny role. And her and Bill Murray are just enchanting. I liked Bill Murray so much more than I think I should have liked that character considering how he's written. And that's what kind of drew me to this movie and charmed me by this movie, despite not liking a lot of it, including the ending. But I don't know, what are your guys' thoughts? Do do you think Marlon Wayans keeps up with the other two, Rashida Jones and Bill Murray? Because I like that guy as an actor did not like his performance in this at all it just something about it came off hokey and like like a community theater like I'm acting as the husband who is like really busy like I don't know it just didn't feel like <laughs> the like it, it it was just a very apparent difference in quality um, it that... felt a little flat to me but I couldn't tell if it was supposed to be like that I think in my mind I'm kind of like I my dream for this movie is yeah for it to end slightly differently in a way that makes his performance make more sense Mm. I don't know how to I can go into more detail later I guess but I feel that are we spoiling things right now I guess 
we've always we have had a weird like relationship with spoilers where sometimes we just jump yeah. right in and other yeah. times uh, i think i'm fine spoiling it like fast forward ahead in this episode if you want to listen to our sofia coppola oscars if you're, if you're here for the meat but like i, I think we could spoil it like it, there's not that much to spoil honestly besides that ending and i say at this point like we've tiptoed around it like that is i think the most sort of pivotal and controversial based off of the slight you know reviews that we've gotten of this film so far just, just like dive in like what specifically didn't you guys like about that because i i think i completely agree wait i want to say my general opinion oh please oh do we see yeah. i'm sorry no Brooke. brick you don't get one. Oh, i thought <laughs> i was gonna be quiet in this one not this quiet <laughs> but um yeah <laughs> my my general opinion actually was like more positive than than you guys i guess i was kind of just like vibing along with it the whole time kind of like what caleb said but honestly, <laughs> I like super related because I have unfortunately never seen a character as accurate as my dad, <laughs> like in in real life. Is your <laughs> like, dad Bill Murray? Oh. My dad, actually, yes. <laughs> that is my <laughs> in, into the film industry. We're talking about film families. <laughs> that is my actual dad. Um, <laughs> no, just the character. I mean, not like quite as weird and cringy as he is but like you know pretty much there uh similar age too and I was like oh my gosh this is me I am Rashida Jones um so I liked it in that sense because I don't know he was like a good grandpa and I was like oh is my dad gonna be (laughs) it's gonna be a good grandpa one day but yeah we can talk about the ending now well I also I I feel like I only kind of um had a negative point because I was kind of building off of what Caleb said but overall I did enjoy it like it's weird I yeah I enjoyed it and I like what Brooke said about like vibing because I feel like it's a bit of a hangout movie Mm -hmm. um like in a different sort of way while also being yes kind of noir and kind of rom-com-y and like um just like a quirky little comedy but yeah I thought it was like good I didn't think it was amazing but then I was like I don't know maybe I just don't think it's amazing because I'm used to these like kind of grand emotional responses to Sophia's films while this was like a little bit more um grounded and while I thought that as a movie like standalone it was all right um with great performances yeah I think like in the context of Sophia's filmography, for some reason I find, well, I, I know why actually, I'll explain why later. I found it really refreshing and I'm like glad that it exists. I feel like it needs to exist. Um, and when tracing kind of like the path of her growth as a filmmaker and as a person, not that I know her personally, but like how <laughs> we see her, I guess, like it makes sense and um, is satisfying in a lot of ways and is kind of necessary yeah well I mean to go off that she's such like a personal filmmaker so that doesn't make sense like obviously we don't know her personally but it's clear that she puts so much of herself like everybody like every filmmaker does but I think to an extent even more than that and honestly like it's kind of happy especially in the year of our lord 2020 to have just like kind of like you're saying just like a just vibing movie and she's made some comments this week i think the most interesting to me was like calling her marriage to spike jones like a practice marriage <laughs> and uh like she's now i think with thomas mars uh, the lead singer of phoenix and just like clearly she is in 
a little bit more stable and happy of a place in her life, if we're to assume. It's really as self-reflexive as uh, I think I'm going to at least. And you know, I'm happy for her and I'm fine with the ending if it means Sofia Coppola is out there living her best life. <laughs> yeah, I w when I was writing notes about this, I was like, this is obviously like her most autobiographical autobi work, but at the same time, like all her work is pretty autobiographical in like the emotional sense and the relationships and <clears throat> the like, um, just kind of like disposition of the lead female character and her like dreams and concerns and things like that. So yeah, that's a good point. But oh, I'm done with first impressions, I promise. The, the ending for me, really left me it rubbed me the wrong way because I had bought into the film previously and so my I so I watched four Sofia Coppola films including on the rocks kind of back to back to back every single night um and I'd, I'd seen the other three so I've now completed her filmography and the thing for me is about her films is that they really excel in the space in between the lines like they excel when Bill Murray whispers into Scarlett Johansson's ear and we don't know what it is. They excel in like knowing glances in Marie Antoinette. Like they excel without when they don't tell you exactly what you should be thinking. That's the entire film of Somewhere. Like, I Yeah, think. I think it has uh, like 20 lines the entire film. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's that's one thing I find very special about her. Not that she doesn't write good dialogue or that her characters don't have good dialogue, but... Uh, a lot of the times it's it's the way it's the framing around the dialogue that's significant and I found on the rocks as ending to just be the just utter opposite of that where it's like okay now we're gonna have this conversation between uh Bill Murray and Rashida Jones but they've already made up even though like she had every right to be furious at him and it just sort of seems like she's like oh like it's okay and then she has the same conversation with her husband where it's like everything's okay and then the the watch metaphor at the end where he bought her like a new watch and so she has to get rid of her father's old watch and it, it all of it was just so very kind of in in my face and explicit and that's just not why I really dug the rest of Sofia Coppola's filmography and I don't know that it's necessarily fair to hold those films up to this one and be like why aren't you like this but at the same time I thought the rest of the film really excelled in those moments that I was talking about like it really excels when we see Bill Murray playing with his granddaughters and being a great grandfather even though we know that he okay he holds these like sexist views and yet he's playing with his daughters or his granddaughters and like treating them with so much love. Like those two ideas are like contradictory maybe and are interesting to look at. And that that's where the film had me thinking, not in the moments where like when you first hear Bill Murray's voice, Rashida Jones is like, why am I even talking to you about this? You cheated on mom however many years ago and it affected our family in this way. And it's like, oh, okay, that's just how we're gonna give exposition is you know like uh, that th those are sort of my baseline thoughts on it like I think this film really does excel in those like family moments and then it really does kind of falter in the just here's your theme on a plate moments mm -hmm. 
Well, Brooke, as someone who doesn't have that same kind of baggage, like coming into this not having the same kind of preoccupations with her work, what did you think of the ending? And like, kind of like, I mean, you were the one that was so optimistic about I'm thinking of ending things is what comes to mind. And like, I think this is like very clearly an optimistic ending. Like, how did you take it? Yeah, that's interesting. I was going to comment that after (laughs) Alicia said how she came into it, knowing all of basically all of Sofia Coppola's work. This was the very first one that I watched and I finished watching it like three hours ago. Um, so it's fresh in there. Um, but yeah, I just like, like I said, I was kind of vibing along. I was very much putting my dad and my relationship with my dad within this movie sphere. Um, so I actually wasn't mad at like their scene at the end where they like make up even though they've like they've already made up and it's weird um because I can like kind of relate to that like do you have you never like (laughs) fought with the family member or something and then like I don't know I don't like I don't hold grudges very easily um like not at all (laughs) so I just I'm back but the the who is the actor that plays her husband who is it Marlon Wayans okay yeah Marlon Wayans yeah his his performance was just so weird and like it literally some of the some of the ways that he like actually like physically delivered his dialogue seemed like it would be like oh no 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 like we gotta that's not the take that we choose for this like was he on like a limited time schedule or something because yeah like what you mentioned about like community theater he was literally like I'm just trying to be a man and like he was also like an influencer business thing which was like such a weird choice I was like is this the new like Wall Street man of like the next coming like 15 years of like bad dads and kind of shitty husbands is like they're gonna be trying Start to like, up dad yeah like they're gonna be trying to like build a like it seemed like he was making some sort of social media something I don't know but honestly I was like is she I don't know she's a woman right so I just assumed that maybe she was like a feminist filmmaker um but from that ending I was I was a little confused about what her like take was on things because on a very surface level the like watch metaphor I was like your husband still kind of fucking sucked like even though he got you this jewelry like he still made you feel like a piece of shit and like I don't know. It was too much like placing the burden of like Rashida Jones having all these crazy feelings like onto her and then like metaphorically and I don't know maybe she was twisting it in some way but like being like ah now your dad no longer is your owner. It is this man your husband. Congratulations. (laughs) It's a prettier watch. It's fancier. It's more expensive. Um, But I don't know. It's only been like two hours since seeing this. Maybe I have like more reflecting to do on some like twisted feminist inversion that she was trying to say but just like right off the bat I was like oh this is weird but yeah yeah and that's such like a stark difference from the way she portrays women in the rest of her films I think which I don't really know what to make of it like watching this and then rewatching somewhere back to back it's like two films very rooted in like the relationship between a daughter and a father that kind of have like completely opposite takes on it and obviously this one's much more rooted in romantic love but even then like I felt like a lot of that fell short and to your point about Marlon Wayans's performance like I felt like that was more to do with the script than his performance like it's so rushed like we have basically no characterization for him outside of his potential affairs until like it 
all gets kind of thrown at us at once where it's like I'm just trying to do this for you and I'm just trying to like give our kids the best life possible it's like whoa (laughs) this is a lot just all being thrown at us at once and it's like I I don't want to blame him too much I don't think because I don't think that role was given particularly that much to do And, and I think it really is a movie about Bill Murray even more than it is about Rashida Jones or Marlon Wayans well, I think it's about their relationship. Like, it's like the father-daughter relationship. But it's it's strange because uh, it's almost like the film one has its cake and wants to eat it too with that. Is because it's like, oh, this whole... It's going to be like a crime caper where we're going to be investigating this potential criminal, but it's actually all about love and, like, you know, fidelity and stuff. So you you get to... It, it is about the, the, the father-daughter relationship, but the like that final scene between um between Marlon Wayans and Rashida Jones like it's given the weight of the fight like the climax and it's given like the it's like the crux of it almost and it feels like it shouldn't be like it feels like it feels like that resolution should have happened off screen and in the end we should have had some understanding between Rashida Jones and Bill Murray as the like focus and so it ended. It it ended up feeling less. I don't know. Uh, the the sewing together of the of the plots ended up feeling rather forced to me, rather than something. I don't know more natural. I I it didn't bother me a ton the way that Rashida's character ended things with Bill Murray's character. That didn't bother me a lot actually. It felt kind of real to me the lack of like serious resolution where I don't know I very much have the relationship with my parents where you know kind of the ladybird thing where you're in the like thrift store and you're screaming at each other one second and the next minute you're like oh like isn't this cute like (laughs) wouldn't Mm -hmm. this look good um so I sort of like the subtlety there but the way that things ended with the Marlon Wayans character I, I didn't mind that it turned out that he hadn't cheated, mm-hmm. but I minded that they didn't like in any way that I perceived address that like there are still issues there. The fact that like she suspected him cheating stemmed from a bunch of other issues that they addressed when they like kind of went out in the street and were like, I'm insecure about this and I'm insecure about this and this is why I act the way I do. But like in the end, you still sense that those issues in their relationship are there. And I think she could have ended it in a way that's not like either super dark or kind of optimistic. Yeah, Yeah. like I feel like there could have been a nice bittersweet ending there. And with the watch, like I'm curious to hear what exactly you guys think the watch represents. Cause yeah, so Bill Murray says, the bangle used to represent a woman was a man's property or whatever, but then the fact that it's a watch it's like and first she has bill murray's and then she has the one her husband gave her i'm wondering if maybe it's not quite as simple as like ownership but kind of the (laughs) just relationship with relationships with men in general and the balance of like keeping who you are and staying like a strong independent woman as she like tells her daughters to be you know while also allowing yourself to like give some of yourself to like keeping your independence and agency while also allowing yourself to kind of 
depend on a man like romantically or emotionally and like maybe the struggle with feminism a little bit um I don't know but I think it's like complex but anyway in terms of the end in general yeah I I think it did feel off and like if the Wayans character felt flat like the way that he did and like not lacking much character and whatever and the ending was different and kind of hinted at that fact and hinted at the fact that like there are always going to be cracks in their relationship um maybe that would be more cool with me but yeah yeah I kind of also like attributed some of the the feelings or whatever that I was having from that ending kind of also to like what characters Rashida Jones typically plays which like I know her mainly from like Parks and Rec or like The Office where she's like a very like quietly like passive or passive aggressive person where like like you were saying Alicia like they're they're ending like fight outside or whatever they like they take it outside to talk was so quick like I was like whoa we're done like that's it like is this like how communication's supposed to work um but yeah I was just I it felt very like unsettled which maybe was the point like like Caleb was saying I don't know I feel like if maybe it was a different director like I feel like how this movie should have gone was that like Rashida Jones and Bill Murray's relationship should have been like completely changed like something should have happened where it was like completely changed but it seems like kind of static like it seems kind of where it was where like she definitely has some like unresolved issues but like I didn't get the sense that she had really like learned anything new about her dad like or about their relationship they were still kind of like in the same place to me but I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on that well well, she and her dad have such an interesting relationship in that like it seems that her whole family like does not like Bill Murray and for probably good reason he seems to have cheated on uh, Rashida Jones's mother quite a bit and destroyed their family so uh, like in that scene where Rashida Jones speaks to her sister and mom and Bill Murray's mom is that how that familial lineage went um they're all like oh, I don't know why you still talk to him like why are you still like ah and she's just like oh, I don't know like it seems that Rashida Jones's character what is her name I keep saying Rashida Jones what is Laura was it Laura yeah yeah Laura. right um it seems that Laura <clears throat> that that Laura like knows her dad and has accepted that he will not change Mm -hmm. and rather than you know fight it to tooth and nail she'll she's just realized that she can assert herself in the same way that he asserts himself and they can still have their father-daughter relationship and that's like whenever she nips at him nips at him is not a good phrase whenever she like he says something and she immediately cuts it in the bud and is like what are you talking about like that's that's sexist why would you say that and he's like oh blah 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 and they 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 seem to have this understanding that they will have differing views on like important things but that ultimately their it's their familial bond is stronger which um i found to be sweet like you know bill murray is is charming as hell and he's also problematic as hell and um you know that 
that's real. Like not every problematic person is going to be just like a piece of shit. Clearly, like, you know, they can have redeeming qualities um, as well. And so I don't know. I, I, I thought that that, that point of the film was strong. Yeah. I think I agree with what all of you guys are saying. And I, I mean, it seems almost like a spiritual sequel to somewhere in a lot of ways where it's like as if Stephen Dorff's character had never grown up, but we don't get that kind of same masking of the emotions in Bill Murray's character as we clearly do in Somewhere. And like you guys were saying, I mean, it's just such a tidy ending on a very messy movie that tonally just didn't sit well with me. And I think as I kind of progress farther past initially seeing the movie, I'm gonna sit better with it because the performances were great. And I think there are a lot of great scenes and great ideas kind of packed into there, but it just didn't all come together with me. I think endings are just too important. And, and like you guys said, that is what's gonna sit with me more than anything. Yeah, yeah. It, it did leave a bad taste <laughs> for me personally, but uh, I don't know. It's something that what we were talking about with the, um, the did we, the comfort watch, did I make up that we were just talking about that or am I? I think so. Okay, I'm bugging. Um, talk about comfort watches I it, think this, it was is a, this is a comfort, comfort watch, watch in a lot yeah. of sense yeah I feel like through this podcast I've realized like the setting that I watch something is really important because I think it's been multiple times where I paint you guys a scene and how I saw it this <laughs> one was on the coldest day of uh Nova so far it was on Sunday and it was like I'm cold I'm gonna bundle up like with a blanket and some hot cider and I'm gonna watch this and it was like real good comfort watch i'm gonna laugh some i'm gonna like you know be be concerned about their relationship some and i'm gonna you know it's gonna be fun so yeah i don't know i hope we get a better rom-com by the end of the year because i think this year has kind of been lacking a little bit so fingers crossed mm. is this a rom-com like well, i feel like it's like a like where's the rom between her and her dad it's it's like famcom it's like famcom <laughs> yeah there's no rom but, but the well she's trying to fix her rom she is trying to fix her rom, <laughs> rom famcom um, yeah i don't know that's all i got anybody got any final thoughts or should we go on to the uh oscars i uh, go ahead um i think uh, yeah, there's so many things about this that like I want to dig into, but I feel like um, the movie, like the ending has discredited it a little bit so that I can't dig into certain things in the way that I want to. Like I I do, again, like, yeah, I want to keep stressing that the chemistry between Rashida and Bill Murray is like great. And just the way that she, like the kind of look of disgust that keeps like coming over her face when he does certain things is hilarious and also like relatable because he's being frustrating while also being like you can't help it but be charmed by him and the scene when they're in Mexico um that I I didn't actually mind the on the noseness of that conversation because like um, there are certain things with your family I feel like that you don't address for a while and then you address very directly all of a sudden it felt like that for me but um, like when she says to him you know it's exhaust well first of all when she says like you fucked up our family you did this really selfish thing it hurt all of us like why um, I want you to know that it hurt and he tells her like 
it was heartbreaking for everyone, kind of implying that he is part of everyone. And it was also very heartbreaking for him. And that this, you know, the relationship with this woman, the woman he had an affair with, Holly, um, she died recently and she's she's kind of surprised by his acknowledgement of like the emotional impact all of that had on him. Like she hadn't really, she's not, I don't think, um, like accepting it as an excuse or overriding the impact it had on everyone else in the family, but she like takes it and processes it, processes it for like what seems like the first time. And I thought that was kind of nice. And at the same time, like when she says it's exhausting for us, for women to like um, try and give like men all of the attention and the love that they want and think they deserve all the time. Um, especially when kids come into the picture and stuff um, or careers or whatever um, was interesting. And I want to know like how that plays into her relationship with Dean, her husband, because like, again, it go goes back to the way his character is written and his performance, where you sense that like there are a lot of issues there. The fact that she like suspected he was cheating at all. And the fact that he kind of like kept noticing that she was suspecting that he was cheating, but not like addressing it. Um, but yeah, like I think there is a sense of Sophia through Rashida, like expressing confusion and like um, ambivalence about like, yeah, how much of herself to give to a relationship, how to like deal with baggage that comes from relationships and like how to, I don't know, navigate that. I don't really know what I'm saying. Like, it's like there's almost something there and I can't quite <laughs> touch it. That's, I feel like that's how I feel about like almost all of Sofia Coppola's work <laughs> where there's just really, there's like an ineffable quality and we'll get to that when we talk about the bling ring because ah. there's something just hypnotic about that movie to me. And I, I, it put me in a trance and I can't explain it. Um, but my final thoughts on On the Rocks, um, we haven't talked about Jenny Slate yet. She was hilarious. Yes. <laughs> um, all of those little asides had me giggling. Um, I thought that uh, it's maybe her best in terms of like sense of, image composition um arjun might fight me on that maybe but i i thought that she had some amazing yeah and particularly striking shots i think the interiors especially the it was just like a really like woozy kind of cinematography to me that i found particularly like in entrancing even yeah um, and she makes a lot out of a little i think whereas like most of her other films we get you know chateau Montmont or versailles mm -hmm. or the stunning tokyo landscape where she doesn't really have that i mean she's got a york but most of it takes place in this kind of tiny brooklyn apartment yeah it's a, it's a good point I, I see your point i won't fight you on it <laughs> yeah and the i was listening to the best picture uh the big picture earlier and like um, one of the hosts was talking about like number one how nostalgic this made her for New York in like pre-COVID days but also how like she like related like she was talking about the um, like production set design and how like literally there were things in that apartment that she either had or wanted and all fell into like this very um, like 
a very clear-cut kind of like caricature or like actual kind of persona of the you know like privileged woman right. living in New York City with like the mate her her office her own off home office oh my god mm-hmm. like that got like that aroused me architecture <laughs> 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 but, like um the natural light but yeah like I think that the, uh, this kind of I guess segues into like her like the Sophia canon in general but yeah I mean you can't um, talk about her without talking about privilege you're so right yes. like, yeah everything like, is kind of centered on that exactly and that's what like I appreciated this movie a lot because like despite the fact that it's still about a woman a woman in like a place of economic privilege it's well number one um a biracial lead actress mm-hmm. we need to <laughs> which, talk about race yeah um you know when looking at Sophia's filmography like that is a bit of a jarring um moment but in a good way and also like it seems to me that she is writing about something that it really makes sense for her to write about and like to portray like this is a character while while she's you know um non-white uh thank god um, after a slew of, you know, delicate white blonde women, um, she still like, it, it's not like the beguiled where you're kind of asking like, why did you feel like you were supposed to write this? You know, like this makes sense. She's making fun of herself. She's making fun of the lifestyle and the, you know, like the political and kind of like stylistic, um, aspects of that lifestyle you see like the bernie sticker on the door and like the beastie boys tea and stuff like that um she it feels so much more self-aware in um a kind of critical way than any of her other work and it feels very timely to me in that sense yeah also- and we stand amanda dobbins also <laughs> <laughs> true um, I also I wanted to mention the the race of it all because her films are so lily white <laughs> like they they very much come from a white perspective and showcase white stories. Um, yeah, and notably the beguiled obviously removes the only black character from the novel, which right questionable decision, questionable execution. Yeah, right. Right. And and so this film having a biracial lead and being about like a kind of biracial family generally, um, I was I was very curious to see like if it was going to be just sort of like, oh, that's who she casted or if it was going to be something that she dealt with explicitly. And I really like the way that it ended up happening because it doesn't seem like she's trying to tell a story that isn't hers instead she acknowledges i think the the wealth privilege of course because um they are living in an incredible apartment uh but also the race privilege in the bill murray character like when he gets pulled over by police and he just charms his way out of it and it's played for comedy because Bill Murray's character inexplicably knows everybody and everybody's parents and maybe not inexplicably. I mean, he, when he meets new people, he learns their names, he learns something about them and he's, he's a very personal person like that. Um, 
but I think the film acknowledges at least white privilege with that, where he just is like, oh, I know your pops. Like, let me get off of this speeding ticket where I was like driving insanely in, in a busy, like, you know, street. Um, so I, I, I liked, there seemed to be an acknowledgement of, of privilege generally and white privilege specifically. Yeah, and I mean, the bar is, you know, below the earth at this point, but I also like that we don't get, you know, the kind of, a worse movie, I think, would have, like, a horrible explanation sentence early yes. about the fact that they're a biracial couple, whereas, like, you don't need to explain it, you know, to write normal stories, whatever you want to call this, a famcom, and just put people of color in it is such a step for a director like her mm. and you don't need to have that extra step to I mean you know so many movies especially when you look at movies before the 2000s but even still all the time now if there is a person of color cast in any sort of role they feel like they have to do all this work to explain why they're put there like if it's an Asian character there needs to be some sort of defining typically tropey stereotypical Asian characteristic that the actor gets and, and you know you just lose all of that it makes it so normal it's almost like uh, um, I think Jonathan Demme does a really good job about this as well. I mean, there are, you know, white filmmakers who have done well, but it's obviously been something Sofia Coppola has been notably very bad about. So it's good to see her kind of moving in that direction. I agree. Um, can we do a segment, Arjun, that we talked about before the podcast? of uh, the double feature can we do that oh i like that yeah Let's so i mean it. caleb and i were talking before you hopped on alicia and i don't know is brooke frozen are we gonna talk about that oh or? wait yeah. frozen a couple times now <laughs> and i was like here? oh am i just being really boring or <laughs> i've got her frozen on like a yeah. face so i was <laughs> yeah. like this can't be <laughs> Um, yeah, but Caleb and I were talking I mean, this kind of inspired off of one of his letterbox reviews but I think it would be fun to go week by week and whatever movie we're talking about talk about a movie that we'd like to see a double feature with um, and you know sorry to spring this on you so no worries if you don't have anything because I personally don't have anything but Caleb let, let's hear it I got one um, <laughs> this film really reminded me of this is just an excuse to talk about Eric Romer um, it really remi it reminded me of the film The Aviator's Wife um, which is a a classic French dramedy comma from uh, from Eric Romer, who is just one of my absolute favorite filmmakers. Welcome back, Brooke. You're unfrozen. Am I back now? You're back. <laughs> <laughs> like literally, it was totally normal on my end. Like I was just <laughs> listening to you guys. Oh no. But, oh well. I had nothing to add except I really liked the line to jump back real quick. I really liked the line. When Bill Murray, am I here? Am I there? You're, you're you're, first. Your, your, voice your, your, your voice is here, but your face is gone. Um, you know, I just liked the line that Bill Murray said about the cop being arrested, whatever. And he was like, I wasn't driving like, what is the word? Hectically or whatever. Like I was trying to get out of the intersection to avoid driving bad. <laughs> uh, that'll just be be the last thing I contribute to this. <laughs> no. Carry on, guys. I like how we said we were going to do like 20 minutes on On the Rocks and we're now 45 minutes into uh, talking about yeah. this movie. Well, uh, there, yeah. there ended up, as as there always is, there's more things, more and more things to chat about. Um, yeah. Uh, real quick on The Aviator's Wife. Um, it's, it's like about a, a French student whose like uh, girlfriend cheats on him and and to 
to find out why she did it, he follows the person that he thinks she cheated on him with who has a wife. And so there's an aviator, that's his wife. And he like follows them around. And it's like a very similar vibe of like, is someone cheating? Are they not cheating? Let's investigate this by following someone. Um, and it's hilarious. Maybe it Romer's more uh, suspenseful films. All of his films are just like bourgeois French people hanging out. So it really uh, pairs well with a Sofia Coppola film, I think. Um, yeah, highly recommend La Femme de la Aviateur. <laughs> I can't speak French. 